Welcome to another MyTunes podcast here at manxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation's station, Manx Radio. If you see the Manx Radio posse, tribe, bunch, out and about, you may notice they look like a lot of purple people. Well, there is a princess of purple who's in charge of all this malarkey, and she's my MyTunes guest this week. Please welcome to the MyTunes studio, Nicola Holt. Welcome, Nick. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're in Manx Radio. I'm so glad you're in the studio. Uh, what is your official title? Let me get this right. Uh, marketing, Sponsorship and Promotions Executive, oh, if you I please. See. I do please. I do please. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about your time in radio elsewhere across the Isle of Man, bits and pieces everywhere. But I want to go back to you growing up as a little girl, because when we were doing our extensive MyTunes research, mm -hmm. we came across a young girl growing up in palatial surroundings. Yeah. Tell me all about it. <laughs> so... We moved to the Isle of Man just before my eighth birthday. Yeah. And when I say we, that's uh, me and my immediate family, so my mom and my dad, and I've got a younger brother as well. But prior to moving to the island, we lived in central London at the Royal Mews. And then after that, we lived at the Royal Paddocks at Hampton Court, which sounds very snooty and la-di-da. No, it just sounds fantastic. So what was your dad doing? Um, so at the Royal Mews, uh, he was a liveried assistant, which involves riding and driving Her Majesty's uh, famous grey horses with the Queen's messenger, that's the single horse-drawn carriage, around the city of London, basically, wow. uh, working for the Queen. Wow. Um, and uh, the Royal Mews is the place where you can actually uh, pay an entry fee and go in and see the Gold State coach and some of the other coaches that are there the gold state coach being the one at the platinum jubilee where the queen was projected as sitting and riding in that that carriage and so yeah it's open to the public and you can go and visit and see all the the state coaches and the displays and the livery worn by the queen's coachman and stuff like that so, so okay, but how did your dad get that job um, well, I guess, like every job, ap applied, applied for, for it. Job? Yeah. So prior to that, he was a mounted police officer um, with. Oh, Berm okay. Yeah, so there were horses West in Midlands. the theme. So yeah, yeah, there was a horse theme. There's a horse theme all the way through. Yeah. So yeah, he left. Um, he left that job, applied for the the job at the Royal Mews, and yeah, got it. <laughs> and did that get you into horses? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Because you're still into horses. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favourite animals. I absolutely love them. Um, but yeah, that was probably the starting point for the love of horses. So did you ride in the London area as no. a little oh, girl? Oh, God, no. No, absolutely not. It was just sort of being around them, really. The smell and all that kind of stuff that comes with it. So from, from there, we moved, as I said, to the Royal Paddocks at Hampton Court. This is the Queen's private stud farm. Not to be confused with the, the stud that she's got at Sandringham for her racehorses. This is where she breeds her heavy horses ah. uh, for the household cavalry, with the, the drummer horses and stuff. So that's behind these massive black gates. That's one of my memories, massive black gates, having to, to drive through those to an up a little driveway to then get to where we lived sort of thing. Oh, so. My. Um, and yeah, just the you know the horses, the mares, and the foals, and everything in the field. So it's lovely. Guessing you probably met or at least were aware of members of the royal family as you were growing up. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got a very vague memory. You know, you always sort of. I don't know, there was a sort of an ambience in there. You always knew, especially at Hampton Court, you always knew 
or felt rather when the Queen was about to arrive and the black gates would open, the car would pull up, uh, a rear car door would open and out would come the corgis and they would just run up this <laughs> really? gravel driveway. You, you <laughs> and I can, remember, I can remember seeing the corgis, these oh, loose corgis, brilliant. Uh, you know, going up there. That was their exercise. And um, yeah, there was one incident where we had a beautiful back garden living at Hampton Court and uh, we, we were growing gooseberries and rhubarb and all that kind of stuff. And uh, as a child, it was a lovely back garden to play in. But because it's behind these black gates there were there were no other children on on site there was just me and my brother but my mom looked out of the kitchen window one day and saw me playing in the garden with another little girl she knew who it was yeah. uh, i didn't but when it was time to come in and have my lunch or my tea or whatever she said oh nicola who who was who was that you were playing with in the back garden and i said i don't know she just said her name was zara uh, zara, zara tindall Tindal, <laughs> as she Tindal. was at the time so so yeah but uh, oh, that was the lovely. only only privilege. Well, that, that <laughs> is lovely. Tomorrow we're going to get you to the Isle of Man. Let's have your first track of the week, though, for now. Oh, so this was, I mean, this is one of the most difficult tasks. And you said to me, oh, pick four pieces of music. I was like, this is impossible. Where do I start? Where do I start? So I thought, right, well, let's do this in chronological order. So going back to my childhood, my mum and my dad had lots of vinyl because that was see, the, the thing back then. And I remember there was two particular records that my dad had, which I was, I was drawn to the artwork. And one of those was Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. But the title track of that, The Eve of the War, is, is way too long. It's like nine minutes or something. So I thought, well, the other one that I was drawn to was one with a pink flamingo on the front it's almost like British racing green background pink flamingo and this track features the backing vocals of Michael McDonald do you remember him oh yeah <laughs> superstar so this is uh, one of my earliest childhood memories I love the sound of this record and I love the fact that it was covered in 1991 uh, by Eastside Beat uh, but this is Christopher Cross Ride Like the Wind
This week on MyTunes, we have somebody who mingled, played with royalty. It didn't even know she was doing it. If you missed yesterday, it'll be on the podcast. Come back and have a listen. Nicola Holt is my guest all this week. Nicola is in charge of the Purple Army. I think that's a new name. Princess of the Purple Army. The Manx Radio Crew. And loads more besides. Nicola, we've got to get you to the Isle of Man. So you uh, grew up with all the horses, and all the king's horses, all the queen's men, etc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you came over here. What drew your family over here? Again, it, it's my dad's work, and my dad's work with, with horses. So, yeah, we left London, and we left uh, Hampton Court. We came to the Isle of Man just before my eighth birthday, and we lived at a place called Conrennie Equestrian Centre, where my dad did many, many different things, but one of his main job was to help breed horses horses and then uh, break them in which is basically getting them ready for either being ridden um, or being handled or, or driven with a carriage because not all horses do the same things no, no. Um, so that, that that was his job and um, it was a fantastic introduction to the freedom of living on the Isle of Man as a child and moving from sort of like London and stuff like that and behind those big black gates at Hampton Court to having uh, lanes and plantations and countryside to just roam and run and build dens because I was a tomboy, uh, probably still am, and just, yeah, having a fantastic childhood away from a, a city centre. And ride horses. And yes, and, and this horses. is this is where, yeah, I think my, my first f- foot went in a stirrup and bottom went on a saddle um, because um, I was very, very lucky to um, not only move to the Isle of Man with my family, um, but my dad, um, mom had um, bought me a pony, which ma- again makes me sound very snotty and lardied on. <laughs> Not at all. I was just it was this kind of background and, and lifestyle that we had. She wasn't ready for riding, so she had to be broken in, and that happened uh, in the UK. But then, yeah, she she came over here with us. What was and her name? She was called Minnie. Oh. She was a little 132 Welsh section B. And now, hang on a minute, 132 <laughs> section B. You're speaking a foreign language, Nick. What does all that mean? 132 is that she hands? Was, yeah, 30. Yeah, 32. Um, yeah, it's it's pony size. It was small. It was the right size okay. for me at the time. And I wouldn't. Sex- I wouldn't stick me. I wouldn't stick me on a 132 now. Probably squash it. Well, and, and, and section B. Yeah, she was a, mount, a Welsh mountain section B. So that's the the breed of. of pony she that she was so um but yeah living in, in at Conrennie met some great people learned loads about riding and handling horses and ponies and stuff like that not just from my dad but the girls who had horses and ponies that were they were livering on the yard so yeah how did you feel about coming here though initially having been in Hampton Court and in central London it must have been a bit of a shock no, it was an adventure. It was exciting. Really? Yeah, I remember leaving my school friends in the primary school that I was in the UK. Go, oh, I'm going to live in the Isle of Man. Had absolutely no idea where it was. No idea. Didn't even know. Never heard of it. Never existed as far as I was concerned as a seven, eight-year-old. But yeah, here we were. We landed in the January. Brr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, had a fantastic childhood and, and upbringing. And I reckon, I'm going to suggest that the horses helped you along enormously in getting into the whole place uh yeah absolutely there's a massive horse equestrian community over here so yeah you meet people you make friends lifelong friends even though my activities with horses have somewhat 
relinquished because of lifestyle changes, being a parent and, you know, working and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you still bump into people now all those years on and yeah you know you can strike up a conversation like you you know you only saw them yesterday next time i go into a horse center oh section two about 13 <laughs> two section b i know all these stuff nicola taught me what's today's track oh so i was really enjoying the music of the 90s uh, and that the 90s ha- had to offer things like um jamiroquai and i really love their songs uh, you gotta learn and too young to die nearly chose one of those as today's track but I remember meeting somebody who introduced me to the less sort of commercial acid jazz and funk uh, and they made me a mixtape remember yeah, I, them I do I <laughs> I'm do. showing my age now. I do I've got loads in the attic still <laughs> and on this mixtape was lots of different bands uh, that I'd never heard of before um, this particular song was on it and I played it to death for ages and ages uh, I love the lyrics, I love the feel-good sound, and it features the vocals of Alison Limerick, who had a massive hit in 1990 with Where Love Lives. Uh, and this is the James Taylor Quartet and Stepping Into My Life. Set me free, set me free, step into my 
This week on MyTunes, we are joined by Nicola Holt, who is the marketing guru, uh, sponsorship promotions, uh, princess of all things purple, and a lot more at Manx Radio Towers. It's about time we got you into this radio business, Nick, because I know you were in finance for pretty much 20 years. Mm-hmm. But the, the radio bug was sort of there. The, the, the light bulb was flickering all that time, wasn't it? Possibly, yeah. How I ended up in radio is probably just for having a chance conversation. So I was working at a very well-known drinking establishment in Douglas Isle of Man, the Outback. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I was working behind the bar and uh, Chris Williams was one of the resident DJs. And probably at the end of our shifts or whatever, I ended up having a a chance conversation with Chris, being a sort of cheeky 20-something-year-old, said, you know, about doing radio and blah, blah, blah. So he invited me to join him as a sort of co-host, for want of a better word, on one of his weekend shows on Kick FM. Now, for those that don't remember Kick FM, it was the alternative service at the weekends on Manx Radio. Kick FM took over one side, Manx Radio carried on on the other, and it was hugely successful. It was, yeah, it was. It was brilliant because it turned into a music station for the whole weekend, yeah. and the sort of programming format and the style and everything changed. Uh, and this is before, obviously, we had other radio stations available digitally and on based on the island as well. So it was a huge thing for the Isle of Man, and so yeah. A cheeky 20-something-year-old and Chris Williams sat in what is now Studio 2 yeah. <laughs> and it looks very different and yeah I turn up with my celebrity trashy magazine and my can of Diet Coke or whatever and um, yeah we just have a laugh. Chris would obviously drive the show and answer all the people who were phoning in because there were no texting in at the back in those days I mean, you had to phone the radio station and he'd put certain people on live on air and stuff like that and um yeah, it was fun, and it was a steep learning curve. A, a steep learning yeah. curve. You know, in a way, it was Kick FM that gave people the idea to launch Energy, and then when Energy came yeah. along, 3FM was immediate. oh, we must have another one. But it was that sort of Kick FM was at the beginning of all of that, really. Yeah, and so off the back of my, presumably off the back of my appearance at Kick FM, I was approached by... Stu and Turner. Yeah, uh, X-Manx Radio, yeah, of course. And he said, we are launching Energy FM. Would you like your own show? And I thought, are you mad? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> are you absolutely mad? And I said, uh, okay, well, we'll continue the conversations further. And we did. Uh, and the, yeah, the, re- the rest, I suppose, is history. I joined the Energy FM team as a weekend presenter. I had my own show on a Sunday afternoon. And I did that from the launch of Energy FM for about seven or eight years. And it was hugely popular because I know that. I know that. You're too kind. You're too kind. No, I know that. Today's track... Does this come from that era? Where are we going for today's track? Uh, yeah, it does. There's, yeah, it does come from that era. So whilst I was working at the Outback, my friend uh, and co-owner, she eventually owned the, the Outback, Emma Bowers, um, she had tickets to go and see this particular band at the point in Dublin in January 2000. Now, she was originally going with a friend, another friend, who had to drop out last minute. Um, and so she asked me and I said, well, I'm not really a huge you know, fan of, of this particular band but you know what yeah let's let's book the flights let's go so we booked the flights and she lent me their cd 
because we were up to we were back past mixtapes at this point we've gone into technology we got cds now and i listened to that cd continuously so i could learn the words because i didn't want to go to this concert and be the only one that was stood there like a mute because i didn't know the words to the songs or anything like that so i had never been to a concert before this is my first time going to a concert i know and it was an arena tour as well and this is quite an embarrassing story but I, i don't mind sharing it So before the act arrived on stage, imagine a massive arena with thousands of people. The lights went down. Everybody started screaming and cheering. The glow sticks were going. The tension was building. And then the act burst onto stage. The pyrotechnics went off. The music to this track started. And I was so overwhelmed and emotional about how happy everybody was that I just burst into tears. And I turned to my friend and I said, thank you. Thank you so much for bringing me to this. So whenever I hear this song or tell this story, I get quite emotional. But the track for today, it's not a cool one. (laughs) I'm going to get no street cred with this. The track for today uh, is Boyzone, Picture of You. Would you like a tissue? Yes, please.
My MyTunes guest yesterday told us how she burst into tears when Boyzone came on stage because she was just so emotionally taken away to another place. But Nicola, one thing you didn't say, it's Nicola Holt, by the way, one <laughs> thing you didn't say was you got to meet them as well. Yeah, so my friend Emma and I had got the tickets to go and see Boyzone and she'd met Shane Lynch at Silverstone the previous year and Shane's best friend. And they said, oh, you know, if ever you come to one of the gigs, you know, make sure you come backstage and see us. So after this concert had finished, we went backstage and we met a couple of members of the band and then we were ushered onto the, this is very trusting and very naive, but we were ushered onto a coach with all the backstage dancers and stuff like that. It must have been a a detour coach because the rest of the band went somewhere else and it drove for ages and ages and we're just on the back of this coach and we have no idea where it's going but eventually pulled up to a a hotel in Dublin and uh, all the dancers and the crew plus me and Emma got off and we went into this sort of hotel lobby reception area and the bar was open so we uh, ordered drinks and stuff and then joining us was Shane Lynch from Boyzone so we spent the sort of you know the late hours of that night early hours of the following morning drinking pineapple Bacardi breezes with Shane Lynch some of the backing dancers and uh, he even got his then wife on the phone now my memory's a bit sketchy because it was a long time ago and there were Bacardi breezes involved but uh, his then wife at the phone was Esther Bennett from Eternal and I've got a vague recollection of this mobile phone being passed around to everyone to have a chat with her on the phone and it must it must have come past me at some point but yeah as first concerts go there's no street cred for it being boys though there's no street cred for crying when they came on stage but there's it was a pretty good experience. <laughs> I think that trumps it. I think that works well. We have to talk about your role as the purple princess in charge of the tribe at Manx Radio. I mean, purple is the Manx Radio colour. It was always in the colours, but you've taken it to a new level, Nicola. We are now a purple radio station. Prince would be proud of you, for goodness <laughs> sakes. The way this, the whole company is purple. Was that something you had in your mind when you came in? Yes. I mean, uh, purples, it's, for me, it's not a bad colour. And uh, I, it's very bold. It's very vibrant. It's very memorable. Yeah, I was very much a case of, OK, we want to get the Manx Radio brand out there. Let's make as many things as possible purple, but within reason. And um, Mark, you will recall that earlier on this year, we had some school children come and visit us. The school children that took part in our small talk competition, we invited them to come and have a look at Manx Radio around the studios and gave them the guided tour and stuff. And in the purple room not the green room the purple room which is where we were holding them with their coats and their jackets and stuff one of the children asked me what I did for my job and I thought oh what a good question and thank you so much for putting me on the spot and the only way I could describe it to this child who was about seven or eight is that well I'm in charge of everything that is purple. I'm a bit like Elsa from Frozen. You know when she touches things and it turns to ice? Well, I touch things and it turns to purple. (laughs) And this child's face was just a picture and I thought, I don't know whether they believe me or not, but that's the only way I can describe my job to a seven-year-old. Well, I think that's a brilliant word describing it. I mean, it is incredibly important. It always has been to be visually identifiable because we all we do is talk and press buttons and things happen. Without the visual side backing it up, we're rather one-dimensional. 
And I think you, more than anybody, knows just how multidimensional a radio outfit a media organisation has to be these days. Yeah, and come sun, snow, wind, rain, hail, whatever, when we're out and about, you'll see us. Because that purple, yeah, it shines through. Now then, back to something I, I, we talked about earlier, when you well, kick FM and Chris Williams dragging you in here, doing <laughs> Turner, dragging you off to somewhere else and all that <laughs> malarkey. We're going to get you on a regular show here? Uh, if you ask our director of programming content and news he would love to say yes he keeps asking me and i keep saying no you keep saying no (laughs) i don't know i think you should deep down i think i want to i think you should my heart saying yes because my my head saying i want more purple on the radio now (laughs) we've got purple everywhere else we did the purple princess on our own program you think i know Right, let's make that happen. It's been wonderful, Nick. Thank you. From the Royal Muse through to so many other things. That makes me sound posh. Oh, you are posh. You can't deny it. What are we going to finish up with? So my final track is, in so many ways, such a beautiful song. It is the song that was my first dance at my wedding. See, I'm not posh because I say dance. I don't say dance. (laughs) So it was my first dance at my wedding. And it was a really, really difficult one to choose because as as a couple, we listened to literally hundreds and hundreds of songs to try and um, pick a song for our first dance. And we were getting really hung up on the lyrics and the, the, you know, the under meaning of certain songs and stuff. And this song just sort of cropped up and it ticked all the boxes lyrically and the style of music and everything for our wedding day. It's classic. It's not too long. Uh, We enlisted the help of my friend Claire. We spent a couple of hours in a mini strictly sort of style lesson and she choreographed a very basic routine for us which was easy easy to remember during the pressures of the the day and just could be repeated throughout the song. So it was just sort of like three basic steps and you can add a little bit as as you want. So we got through it. We didn't fall over each other's feet and he didn't stand on my dress so I'm very thankful for that. And I think just maybe maybe after all these years if we played it again we might be able to recreate that first dance and remember the steps but this is harry connick jr and it had to be you perfect way to end the week nick thank you for coming on my tunes thank you for having me Somebody who Could make me be true Could make me be blue Or even be glad Just to be sad Thinking of you Some others I've seen Might never be mean Might never be cross Or try to be boss But they wouldn't do For nobody else Gave me a thrill With all your faults I love you still 
It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Thanks to Nicola Holt, our very own Purple Princess, for joining us on another MyTunes. Uh, join me, Mark Tiley, Monday to Friday, 9.30 to 12, for the Mark Tiley Morning Show, sponsored by Shaw Isle of Man. And I look forward to your company very soon.